Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Yes, indeed. Good morning. I am joined this morning by Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Denny. This is like heaven for gardeners. Well, what I should wonderful s- weather. It is. And I'm looking at the updated <laughs> forecast and the high now they're saying is near 81 today. Uh, I, I, I have I mentioned it earlier this morning uh, I, for the fun of it. Uh, my wife pointed out that I had some tomato uh, volunteers from my sweet 100 hundreds. So I put them in back in a pot and it's, they're flowering. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you. You're, you're still, well, I'm telling you many Minnesota gardeners are still picking vegetables. Yeah. It's amazing. We've had a wonderful uh, fall, you know, right now, this, this weekend, eighth, ninth of October, this is our normal frost date. Wow. So to think that there is no frost in sight in the weather forecast. So it's it's really wonderful that uh, we've had such a great growing season. I'm sure many of our listeners are still outdoors doing gardening projects. And I know that, that our lawns have, have suffered immensely, you know, during this, this drought, the drought. Uh, with a season. And, and maybe next year will be better. And uh, we can talk about lawns or gardens. Whatever your question might be, you can either call Mary or send Mary a text. But keep in mind, if you're a regular listener of the show, you know how busy we, we get uh, when Mary is on and we're answering lawn and garden questions. So here's that number for either phones or texts, 651 461 9226. And Mary, we're already getting a bunch of text messages as we uh, as we open the show. Here's one. Uh, it says, I have a beautiful cyclamen outside that I will want to bring in eventually. What should I do to make sure of not bringing in any bugs? Well, close inspection. Look at the plant very closely. Uh, sometimes you can't see small insects, aphids, and so on, excuse me, some of the scale insects, very small. I try to wash off my houseplants, give them a really good bath before I bring them indoors. So washing them off means really a good spray of water on the foliage. So the top and the underside of the leaves, wash them off well. Um, It's not so much watering uh, as it is cleaning the foliage. So make sure the foliage is very clean before you bring them in. And yes, normally this time of year, I would be bringing in my houseplants and worrying about them being still alive outdoors. 
but I haven't moved anything in yet indoors, but cleaning them up is really important. Okay. Uh, here's one uh, Mary says, I tell you what, let's do this. I think Bob in Monticello is on the horn. Uh, let's grab a phone call. Bob uh, from Monticello, you are on with Mary Meyer. Well, thank you. I, I have a newly sodded lawn. It was sodded in April. Went did well during the summer, but now in the fall there's a part of it in a shady area that's actually turning white, and I'm wondering what that is. I think, Bob, that's probably powdery mildew. This is a fungal fungal disease that uh, can cover the foliage of uh, leaves, and we tend to see it on uh, Kentucky bluegrass this time of year. When uh, weather conditions are very humid, like they've been at night, we've had some really warm, humid uh, nights and days, uh, powdery mildew will appear. Now, it's not fatal, so it won't kill the grass, and um, it will grow out of it and still be okay. But if you uh, take your hand on powdery mildew on the foliage, it can actually come off. You can wipe some of it off. It'll come off white on your hand. It's kind of dusty and dirty looking, but um, I think that's what it is. Powdery mildew, so not fatal, and yeah, the shade would encourage that. Okay. Thank you for that call. Uh, and again, the number is 651-461-9226. Uh, text says, good morning. I was wondering what shrubbery you would suggest for a west-facing home with a lot of oak trees. Uh, they would be placed in the front of my home under a large picture window. And would you recommend taller shrubs on each side of the window? Yes, I, I would plant according to the mature height of the shrub. Think about most people don't want to do a lot of pruning. So if you want a low shrub, uh, something like you or spirea that just gets to be two, three feet tall, taller shrubs, many of our native viburnums are wonderful and they will get to be closer to six feet tall, maybe 10 feet. But uh, the size is, is really critical as well as the exposure. If they're oaks, they might be a minimal shade. So you might have a little bit of shade, so some sun or, or some shade. But the amount of sun, it's important to determine that. And then think about the ultimate height that you want. And then we have a wonderful resource online um, that Julie Weisenhorn did. That's the uh, plant elements of design. You can search in there and put in the criteria that you want, evergreen, deciduous plants, or the height, and that will give you lots of choices. So there are a lot of choices depending on what the height and uh, you want um, uh, hydrangeas, uh, service berries, lots of plants. And of course, you can always go to the Arboretum to see all of these plants in person and uh, choose your favorites there. As a matter of fact, yeah, I, I had seen was last night, yesterday on Channel 4, they did a great story on the Arboretum and comments from people from out of state and out of town saying, this is the best Arboretum ever. We've visited oh, this one and nice. that one. And yeah, so that's a real plus for, uh, for our Arboretum, isn't it? 
Yes, yes. It, uh, the Arboretum is large. Many people don't realize how large it is. You know, Denny, it's amazing. A lot of people visit the Arboretum, stop at the Visitor Center, of course, get out of there. Many people don't realize how large it is. You know, Denny, it's amazing. A lot of people visit the Arboretum, stop at the Visitor Center, of course, get out of their car, walk around the gardens at the main building and think, well, that's it. Well, no, that's not it, because you you want to do the three mile drive or the three mile walk. It's a it's quite an extensive arboretum with twelve hundred acres, so you can drive around, you can walk around, lots to see there. Absolutely, we'll talk about that again before the hour is up. But again, if you want some great reading, a great resource, extension.umn.edu. Uh, back to the phones, Mary. John is calling in from Menominee, I believe, this morning. Thank you, John. Uh, what's your question for Mary? Yes, thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I have a red dogwood shrub that has kind of gotten uh, too large on me. It's seven, eight feet tall, getting very wide. So my question is, what time of the year is best to trim it back, and how low can I trim it? The best time to trim it is when the plant is really dormant, so in the winter time or early spring. And you can cut this dogwood back quite a bit. Uh, some people prune dogwoods regularly because they want those new shoots that are quite red. So the older the the, uh, the shoot is or the stem is, the less red it is. The new shoots come up red every spring. So I wouldn't do it right now, but when we get, when the plants are fully dormant, you could do it anytime during the winter or early spring. Okay. Uh, here's a question I can relate to because I have not, we have not had moles in our yard for uh, two years, maybe three years now. But all of a sudden, uh, the backyard is like, I can see the runs and this uh, texter says, uh, these critters are tearing up my yard and traps are too hard to set. Um, is that not still the best, though, Mary, as far as uh, g- getting rid of these critters? Yes. Uh, you know, moles are one of the toughest things to to control. Uh, they come around looking for, um, well, it, it depends if you have moles or voles, but uh, many times they're eating the insects. They're eating invertebrates, things that are living in the soil. Um, some voles will actually eat plants. But many times moles are not eating plants. They're just tunneling, looking for the insects. But both of these can be um, quite destructive. Um, they, they tend to come and go. If there's not a lot of food, they tend to go and move uh, to a different location. But traps, which are, are a fairly big, dangerous thing to be putting up in your yard, are re- it's really the best way to control them. It's, it is a very difficult thing to control uh, wildlife, but um, yeah, hopefully they won't last long. They'll just move on. Yeah. Boy, they can really dig up the yard, though, for sure, those tunnels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell you what, let's do this, Mary. Quick break is in order, and when we come back, we'll uh, grab some more text messages. If you want to call Mary and uh, chat, about lawns and gardens, that'd be fine too. Same number, 651-461-9226. Here in the Twin Cities, uh, weather-wise, we are having looking at the possibility of near 81 today. Right now, CCU temperature reading 62. Stay with us. 
And good morning once again. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO. We are around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour welcoming your phone calls and text messages uh, via the same number, 651-461-9226. Mary Meyer from the U of M is helping you out uh, this morning. And as usual, Mary, we have uh, callers and we have texters. So let's uh, let's get back to it. Carrie, I think, is calling in from Stewart, Minnesota this morning. Carrie, what is your question for uh, Mary Meyer? Well, rhubarb. I have I moved on to a nice old farm place about 10 years ago, and I inherited uh, two beautiful patches of blue, rhubarb. But every year, towards the end of oh, mid-September, I mow them off to, to, you know, let them come back for next year. Well, because it's been so mild and nice, I'm getting some really nice rhubarb back. Is that is, is that edible? Yes, Carrie. It's, uh, rhubarb is edible all year round. Many people think that you can't eat it after a certain time, but that really is not true. It's always edible. We do normally quit picking it so that the leaves are left there so that the plant can rejuvenate itself and continue to grow. But yes, you can you can definitely pick it now and uh, lucky you for your lifetime of rhubarb. <laughs> for sure. Uh, let's see. This uh, listener, Mary, says, I have raised gardens. I have a lot of carrots in the ground still. Can I leave them for a bit yet? And what about eventual frost? Yes, carrots have a great tolerance for cold. Um, in fact, I've read of people who keep their carrots in the ground over winter and go out and harvest them in the wintertime. Now, this is particularly challenging for us in Minnesota because you, if you want to do this, you've got to be able to mulch the ground so it never freezes and then you have access to cold but not frozen soil. And that's pretty tricky because it's hard to prevent the ground from freezing with, with sufficient mulch. But certainly, I think for another month, you're good. And I would leave them in the ground until you're worried about the ground freezing. Then you want to harvest them all, clean off, clean off the soil as best you can, and keep them at uh, refrigerated temperature. Okay. This listener, Mary, says, how do I care for my hydrangeas in the fall? How far should I cut them back, etc.? You know, I don't really cut my hydrangeas off at all, um, unless I'm cutting some of the flowers to use for a dried arrangement or a fresh arrangement. So you really do not have to prune hydrangeas unless you do not like the size of the plant. So otherwise, I would just leave them alone. You know, we have three or four kinds of hydrangeas, and sometimes you end up cutting off the buds if you do the pruning at the wrong time of year. So unless the height, I wouldn't uh, do any pruning on them. Okay. This listener, Mary, has uh, three small trees we need to transplant. One maple, two plum. Is now a good time to move them? I think it's too late. Uh, even though this weather is just so beautiful and we're enticed to keep uh, doing things, I would wait to the spring. Now, if they were in containers and you had just bought them from a nursery or something, I yes, go ahead and plant them as soon as possible. But in digging up and transplanting, you're going to lose a lot of the roots. 
So the plant is going to be shocked. It's going to be more difficult to adjust. It needs a long time of growth to adjust to that. And so we have that in the spring, but not in the fall. Okay. Uh, here's a two-year-old lilac tree that has blight or fungus in the lower branches. Anything I can do to stop the spread? I heard to use copper sulfide in the spring. Yeah, I, you know, I don't think our lilacs are in any kind of shape that you would use a chemical uh, insect. Uh, uh, this is a pesticide normally. Yeah, this is more for leaf uh, fungal diseases. I would not do that. Although I have to tell you, I am concerned about lilacs. Are they being affected by climate change or our warm weather patterns? You know, lilacs are one of our toughest northern shrubs, and they have suffered the last couple of years in Minnesota. We've seen leaf blights we don't normally do. We see hedges that are half dead and half alive. If I had a lilac that was suffering, you know, I almost think I'd prune it back severely and see if the new growth coming back from the base would be cleaner and better. Um, and maybe uh, it, this is shortening the life of some of our lilacs, which tend to outlive us. We normally think they're like rhubarb. They're uh, very long-term cold climate plants. But rather than use an, uh, a pesticide or a chemical, I would consider uh, some rejuvenation pruning, which means cutting it back to the ground. Okay. Uh, this one says, can I sow perennial salvia seeds now? Perennial salvias. Um, you, I, I would actually wait a bit and do dormant seeding with that. So when we get to a little bit colder, close to the 1st of November, you don't want them to germinate now in the fall and kind of half start growing. Put the seed down when it's not going to germinate, but will settle in for the winter, or do it um, in May. So I would say after November 1st or wait till May. No, we have to have a look at our forecast, but I will, let, let me do one more text and then we'll take a quick break. Can I dig up canna bulbs before it freezes? Um, yes, if you don't dig up your canna bulbs before it freezes, they will die. Cannas are not fully winter hardy in Minnesota, so they will die if you don't dig, dig up cannas. Okay, all right. Well, hang on, Mary. We'll take a break, have a look at that uh, forecast with, with summer-type temperatures today. So stay with us. We have about another half hour of the Smart Garden Show to go. Uh, call Mary or send Mary your text at 651 461 9226. It's a Saturday on Smart Garden on News Talk 830-WCCO. WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show. Denny Long here along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out via phone and by text. And Mary, as usual, we have a lot of both. And I, I know our time is always so limited, but let's briefly mention, we talked about it earlier, the beautiful place, especially this time of year, the Arboretum. How do we get there and what, what's the procedure of, of getting in the gate? Yes, Denny, the Arboretum is certainly beautiful right now. Uh, it is west on Highway 5. 
Uh, you do need a reservation to get there, but the Arboretum is open for reservations all the times this weekend. Every half hour, uh, several hundred people uh, can get reservations, and so every, um, every time slot is open today and tomorrow. What's going on at the Arboretum? There's so many things uh, for fall. We have the Scarecrow display there now. There are over 300 varieties of squash, pumpkins, and gourds for people to see. A pumpkin tree and uh, things going on at the Apple House. The Apple House is just beyond the Arboretum. You don't need reservations to visit the Apple House, and there are many local grown apples, Honeycrisp, Sweet Sixteen, Regent, Fireside, Connell Red, all on sale today. And of course, the beautiful fall color, just a gorgeous fall color. So wonderful place to visit. Yeah, just head on west on uh, Highway 5, 5, and then 41 would be the closest intersection, just beyond that. So it's, right. it's just a marvelous place. All right. Back to the texts and phone calls. Let's uh, get a call, phone call from Glenn calling in from Blaine today. Glenn, you're on CCO with Mary Meyer. Yeah, Mary, I have a question in regards to lawn care. I know uh, it was said that uh, with the drought, it wasn't recommended to fertilize during the normal time in the summer. But I'm wondering about now in the fall, is it okay to fertilize now? Uh, yes, Glenn, for most of the state, we have received enough rainfall that grasses are no longer in a dormant condition. So as long as your grass is not totally dormant, the fall is a great time to fertilize. That's when a lot of grass roots are growing and uh, they need nitrogen. And so normally uh, nitrogen is uh, what we put on this time of year. So because it's been so mild, Yes, um, you can still go ahead and fertilize your lawn, but we never want to put on uh, fertilizer when the uh, soil is frozen. So um, do it do it as soon as possible. Yeah, good point. All right, thanks, Glenn. Uh, here's uh, Texas says I have several tomato plants, large, uh, starting to turn tomatoes. How do I hurry them up so I can can them? <laughs> <laughs> Well, today might help because heat is what ripens tomatoes. So, and you can pick mature green tomatoes, uh, bring them indoors, and they will ripen. So it's heat, not uh, light, that ripens tomatoes. So I I would leave them on the vines until uh, it gets colder, and uh, the warm weather they will they will come along. Yep. Okay. Uh, here's another, well, this is a little different tomato question. Uh, this listener says, I'm going to compost my tomato, tomatillo, and cucumber plants out of my garden. Should I put them in a compost bin or could I spread them across my gardens? I would put them in a compost bin. Uh, t tomatoes especially and uh, cucumbers, uh, they can harbor some disease in their foliage. Ideally, you want that, them in a hot composted um, location so the diseases will uh, deteriorate and, and be reduced in, in hot composting. If uh, disease plants are left in your garden, they can just perpetuate um, the problem of diseases. So disease plants either... Um, Put them in a hot compost. Municipal composts are the ones that really get hot. But if you have a normally functioning compost, most um, regular garden uh, debris can be put in there. Okay. 
Back to the phones we go. Karen's calling in from St. Paul this morning, I believe. Karen, thanks for waiting. What's your question for Mary? Hi, Mary. Um, Here's what I'm wondering. I have a couple quick questions. You talked about leaving your hydrangeas. Um, Do I need to put some leaves around the base of the hydrangeas to protect them when it, you know, when winter hits? Well, uh, there, there is one kind of. Uh, you have turned down your radio there, Karen. Uh, Karen, good. I think we can go now. Um, there's one kind of hydrangea, the macrophylla, that tends to be less hardy and can benefit from some mulching. But um, normally you don't need to mulch hydrangeas. Most of them are are fully hardy for the root system. It's above ground that sometimes uh, the buds will actually die. We do have great information on hydrangeas at that extension.umn.edu website. And although it's challenging, uh, the most critical thing is determining what kind of hydrangea you have. And so if you know the cultivar name, that will help a lot. But we do have a lot of information uh, on the website. I just want to Wait, sound, did she sound... have another question? I don't know. I think we lost her. I think we did, too. All right. Well, that's, yeah, I believe we did. Well, Helen is on the phone, I think, from uh, Egan to ask you a question. Helen, what is your question for Mary Meyer? I'm wondering if it's too late to harvest rhubarb, and what is the best way to pull it or cut it when you harvest it in the spring? Um, I like to pull it off. Um, It just kind of twist it and pull it, and then it it kind of, the whole uh, stem will come off uh, quite easily. Um, You can eat rhubarb whenever you want, as long as you don't completely remove all the leaves on the plant. And it's really interesting that we have two calls today on rhubarb, which is normally not something we're thinking about eating in October, but it just goes to show you how much we love rhubarb. I think I have about two or three more questions on the text line about rhubarb (laughs) rhubarb, as well. Uh, Is this, excuse me, a listener says, is it too warm to plant tulip bulbs? I would put those tulips in the ground um, as soon as possible. Uh, the bulbs will not live in the bag, so so you need to get them in the ground. Tulips, uh, you can read about tulips and people will say, oh, they don't need to be planted as early, but really the bulbs should be put in the ground so they can get established and get a root system going um, in order for them to flower uh, next year. Let's pick up a phone call from Sandra calling in from Anoka this morning. Sandra, you're on with Mary Meyer. Hello. Hi. I have a question about... I have a question about a peony. It's two years old, and both years now it bloomed very well this year, but it gets mildew on it, and I've washed the leaves and everything. It's along the border of a townhome here, and it has rock on top, but it's dug down. How do I get rid of it? Is it? I mean, I cut it off now completely because of the mildew. I mean, it just destroyed the plant. Yes, Sandra, it's really hard to get rid of mildew. Um, Sanitation, what you did, removing the diseased uh, foliage and keeping it clean in the fall, going uh, into the winter with clean foliage nearby or no foliage nearby is about the best thing you can do. Um, I don't know that it's possible to keep uh, peonies from getting powdery mildew. 
You can minimize it by trying to keep the foliage dry. If there's an irrigation system that's throwing water on the foliage, uh, try to move that sprinkler head. So keep the foliage as dry as possible. Uh, in, in areas where there's good air circulation or wind, there tends to be less mildew. It's not fatal. It does look bad. And this time of year, it tends to show up on, on most people's uh, peonies. Okay. I have a lawn question, Mary. This one says, how long should I cut my lawn to help it come back from the drought? How long should you cut it? So um, if this is a height question, how how high should it be? That's what it sounds like. Yeah. So three inches is good. Four inches is wonderful. Most people don't have a mower that will even cut high at four inches, but three to four inches um, is good for a mowing height. And Originally, when you started asking, I thought it was how long into the fall should I cut my grass? And as long as it's growing, you need to keep mowing it. For sure, yeah, if you're lucky <laughs> that it, yes. it survived. The, uh, there's one that says the bottom of uh, hardy aster leaves are black. What is it and what can I do to get rid of it? I have seen this on some other flower plants, too. Yeah, this is probably a leaf spot or foliage uh, disease. And, you know, I think we're getting these questions, Denny, because of the weather conditions that we've had, these really high, humid days. Maybe not necessarily so hot, but like this morning, what was the relative humidity this morning? It was 93% uh, dew point 60, so it was humid. Yeah, yeah. so these types of conditions really encourage uh, fungal growth on foliage. And, and so that's what a lot of our listening gardeners, uh, listeners and gardeners are seeing. So most of these are cosmetic and not totally fatal. And in order to control any of these, even the powdery mildew that uh, listeners called in about, you've got to put the sprays on before there's any damage. And so a preventative spray. And so that's really, you know, should have been done a couple months ago. So uh, at this point, there's not much you can do, and it's not usually not fatal. This listener wants to know, is it too late in the year to overseed my lawn? Yeah, I, I think we have passed the point on that, even though it's just so beautiful. And my lawn. Yeah, I, I think we have passed the point on that, even though it's just so beautiful and nice. Uh, we normally say the cutoff is September 15th. So we're two, three weeks beyond that. So at this point, I would go with the dormant seeding only, which is usually after the 1st of November. And what did you say, Mary? A listener wants to know about lilacs being pruned now. Oh, yeah. I gave my, I gave my rejuvenation for the lilacs. Um, if you prune a lilac now, you will cut off any blooms for the spring. So this is a drastic thing. So I, probably not right now is the time to do this. For most people, if you're going to rejuvenate a lilac, wait until next spring, evaluate how it does, does it bloom well or whatever, and then if it isn't in good shape, then I would do the rejuvenation pruning back down to the ground again. So thank you for calling and bringing up this topic again. Lilacs have had a tough couple of years. If you want to prune, the best time is after they bloom in the spring. Very good. 
A quick break is in order. We'll be right back with more Smart Garden here on News Talk 830 WCCU. We might hit 81 today right now. It's 61 degrees. Stay with us. On this Saturday morning, 62 in the Twin Cities, we're in the midst of our Smart Garden show. Denny Long along with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out. Uh, here's a text. Mary says, what about cutting back sedum in the fall? Our lawn care people cut them down to about six inches. Wow. I have never cut my sedum back in the fall. Uh, usually it's just in bloom now. It looks beautiful. Uh, you can see a lot of bees, even sleeping, spending the night on your sedum. They're so comfortable. But I, I have never uh, cleaned that up in the fall because I enjoy the, the insects feeding on it in the fall. And it, it's beautiful with the fall um, when it's a dried flower. Hmm. So I wait until the spring to do that. All right. This listener wants to know, can I prune dogwoods after the first frost? After the first frost. So the key here is when is the plant dormant? So you can prune them um, as soon as the plant is totally dormant. And I'm not sure it's going to be as soon as the first frost, especially this year. So yeah, wait till the plant true. is totally dormant. Pretty much when the leaves are off it and it's, it's looking like winter. This listener's pine trees have brown needles and are falling off. Do you think they're dying? No, uh, this time of year we see those evergreens, all of our evergreens lose their older inner foliage. And sometimes this makes a carpet of brown underneath the evergreens. But those are the, that's the rejuvenation of evergreens. They lose their inner leaves. And uh, if the tips are still green and um normal looking, that's fine. It's just the annual uh, leaf rejuvenation on evergreens. This question from a listener says, should I trim Wygela? Will it affect next year's bloom? I did it a few years ago and they don't bloom as much. Yeah, Wygela, just like lilacs, I, I would wait and prune them just after they flower. So the buds are formed on these already. And that's why we see some of these blooming now. Uh, Remotant is what that's called. But Julie Weisenhorn did a nice article and an update on that, why we see these things reblooming now. That's um, on the extension.umn.edu webpage. But Wajila, I would wait to prune that until after it flowers in the spring. Okay. Here's a general question, uh, Mary. Can you explain what hybrid plants and flowers are? Sure. Hybrids are um, the result of two specific parents. It's a man-made cross, uh, and um, it's this great phenomena with plants that you have two different parents, and the offspring is um, has some of the traits of both and often is better than either parent. And so unless you make that cross by hand, you don't have the individual that is the hybrid. So you have to repurchase those hybrid seeds um, every year. Okay. There's a long question, I think, interesting. Can you use a pre-emergent in the spring after dormant seeding? No. Uh, pre, pre-emergent 
is uh, going to kill all the seedlings that are there, good grasses that you put down as well as weeds. So pre-emergence, you put on an established lawn. So it kills all the, the weed seeds coming up. But if you're seeding any type of uh, grass in the fall or in the spring, yeah, don't use a pre-emergent. Yeah, kind of defeating the whole purpose there. Yes. Uh, can we cut back hostas and other perennials this weekend, or is it too early, listener wants to know? I think it's too early, given the weather conditions that we have. Um, most all of my hostas, unless some got uh, drought, uh, sun scorched, most all my hostas are still green. So they're still green and growing. And, you know, we've seen more and more emphasis on less cleanup in your garden in the fall because many insects are overwintering there and plants are still growing. This listener wants to know, is it too warm to plant allium bulbs and peonies right now? Is it too warm to plant allium bulbs? The allium bulbs you definitely could do. No problem with those flowering onions. They're a great plant. Peonies, if they're in a container and they have a good root system, yeah, I guess you could do that. We'd like to have a month of growing for the root system before winter comes in, and maybe we've got that for most of this month of October, if it's a, a container plant. Um, with all of our new plants that you planted this year, watering is really key because we, we have not had the normal amount of rainfall. So anything, inventory your garden, anything you planted this year that was new, you really have to keep watering that. And we hope to get some of that tonight, at least around the Twin Cities. They're predicting maybe a half an inch of rain, maybe even heavy rain uh, tonight. So we'll, we'll see. Good. Uh, this one says, Hi, Mary. A friend recently gave me eight daylilies, day each in a, a separate pots. I didn't get around to planting them. Can I keep them in the pots over the winter and plant them in the spring, or should I try to get them in the ground now? I would get them in the ground now. Daylilies are tough. Uh, they're in containers. Daylilies have got the big roots like our fingers, so they have a lot of stored uh, food in those roots. Yeah, I'd plant those as soon as possible. Okay. This listener has a small Annabelle hydrangea that's in the ground two years. They said, I've watered it well, but it looks like the inside leaves are yellow and tips and sides very brown like it's dry. Do you think it'll be okay? Well, hopefully, uh, yeah, if you've been watering it, then that is great. Um, hydrangeas are going to lose their foliage now, and sometimes they have uh, yellow, orange-colored foliage, sometimes purple, uh, before it drops. So in, you might be seeing the normal senescence or dying of the plant leaves, and if you've watered it, uh, that's the best thing you can do. Uh, we get this uh, question from time to time about lawns. I know we just have a couple of minutes to go. It's full of small bumps making it annoying to walk on or mow. They think it's due to squirrels in the area. Uh, what can be done about this? But isn't didn't we discuss it a hundred times about maybe it's like earthworms or grubs or something? Yes, it's often earthworms uh, that are making those uh, bumps. And, um, you know, I would say, how does your grass look? 
And if your grass really looks okay and is still growing, I would not worry about that. Um, you know, if, if you're a golf course or you want to really concerned about uh, rolling the lawn, things like that, I, I, but for a homeowner, I, I, I wouldn't worry about that as long as the grass is looking uh, well. It, it, yeah, it's, it's not uh, something that's easy to control and it's probably not damaging the grass. Uh, you know, we're just about out of time. You know what I would love to do is to, to advise our listeners, especially those that have not checked out that website, the U of M website. There's so many good, so much good right. reading there. Give give us that website again, Mary, please. Yes, uh, it's extension.umn.edu, and then click on lawn, lawn and Garden. And if you haven't already, you should subscribe to the Yard and Garden News uh, we also have a fruit and vegetable news that that uh, people can get on um, a regular basis. And the tips in there are really timely. I was reading them this morning, and our extension educators have gotten to do some wonderful short videos that will tell you about putting a cover crop on your mm. vegetable garden. They'll talk about the importance of soil tests, especially taking a soil test uh, this time of year. So lots of great tips oh, yeah. and short videos. Absolutely. It's a marvelous site. Extension.umn.edu. Mary, always a pleasure. Thanks for all your help as usual. Thank you, Danny. And we'll talk soon. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Get those home improvement questions ready. Andy Lindis will be answering those very questions coming up uh, next hour. Right now in the Twin Cities, uh, we have a partly cloudy sky. Uh, 62 is the current temperature reading, but we're heading to 81. Stay with us. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is Electrified Diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.